0: Hi, it's Joanne, Joanne Denison, and welcome to another segment, episode, show, podcast of Sit in the Attendee's Chair. Uh, Glad you chose to join us. And um, with me in the studio is... Steve the Great! Apparently Tony the Tiger, too, (laughs) if any of you are old enough to know who that is. Um, And joining us remotely in the studio from Tallahassee, Florida today is... Hi, it's Kelly. So um, she uh, she's uh, if you've listened to any of the recent ones around this, which of course you may not even be listening to them in order, uh, she's been coming to us virtually from Boston, but uh, she's home to see her family for the holidays, but chose to jump on with us anyway. So always glad to have you. Um, today is uh, one without other guests, and it's one I'm hoping will... Stir some thoughts in your head um, and, you know, just make you think differently about a job. And it's going to be very focused on meeting planners, but it doesn't mean that some of the things I'm talking about don't pertain to other people in the industry or even people outside the industry. So what I wanted to talk about is why are you a meeting planner? And, uh, you know, what do you get out of it? What drives you to do it? Um... And so when I thought about when we go into this, if I talk to most people, including myself, there's the first layer. We love planning, and we love the logistics. We love binders, Kim and Tara and many of you. We love binders and spreadsheets. And for those of you who are in my CMP community, um, that's one of the questions. What could you not live without? And uh, binders and spreadsheets are a big one. List. List. List um list of lists list of lists yes it's it i mean we just thrive on it um we love the details we love everything and we also love seeing the event come to life and when i talk to people and i even think back on my own experience a lot of us started doing this not even as high school students but as kids we were the organizer and something uh triggered that thought with me um Because we're coming up to Earth Day, and it dawned on me, because I'm older than most of you, that the very first Earth Day was when I was in elementary school, and what I did, because I thought it was really important, was organize uh, a group from our school to go clean the town forest for... um, Would you let me finish my thought here, please, first? (laughs) He's dying to say something. No, 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 no. But, you know, I... I organized, and I know I did because I heard stories about it. I mean, it's not just my recollection that, oh, a teacher said, and uh, no, I decided to do this. And um, luckily, some of my classmates and some parents, you know, backed me on this, and we organized a cleanup of the town forest, which, don't ask me why, it was right next to the town dump. So you can imagine that there was a lot of trash in the town forest at the time. Um, But the reason I bring that up is, you know, I, like so many of you, were the ones that Brought people together, planned the local, you know, neighborhood carnival or lemonade stands or plays and performances. And then as we went through school and other extracurricular activities, we were, we were the organizer. We were the convener. We were the ones putting on things like that. Um, in your family, you know, you wanted to plan the birthday party. The, and, and so we like that and we like seeing it come to life. So as we go through our career, now some people, you know, that's that's how they think about their career. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong about that. Uh, but it's kind of like the the basics of where we are when we start. And it may be the way we choose to think about it the rest of our career. And again, not saying there's anything wrong about that. But I think then a lot of people move to the what I decided to label the second layer and I'm just making this up you know like I was trying to figure out how to organize the talk so um or my thoughts I should say not the talk but as time goes on whether you consciously know these terms and use them or you choose to go through your CMP or other education Steve's staring at me because I'm knocking on the desk again um is you start thinking about creating the ROI for your client you start thinking about, wow, what are the goals and the objectives and the strategy behind this event? This isn't just about pink napkins, which would be pretty uncommon for corporate. But anyway, um, you know, it's about why are we doing it? What's the end result we're looking for? Um, the ROI for you know the client, whether it's an internal or an external uh, client? What's the strategy to get there? So that's a different way of thinking about it. It's it's beyond the list. It's beyond the binders. It's beyond... And again, even if you haven't you know, been involved in the classes and the reading and everything that talk about goals, objectives, and strategy, doesn't mean you're not already there. You just may not be thinking of them in that way. Um, but at this point, you're really beginning to think about how do I create a better event uh, to actually for the purpose of improving the organization that it's for. Um, I mean, you could say it's a better event because you had a bigger budget, you got to add more bells and whistles, whatever it is, but really it's a better event when it improves the organization and meets the goals and objectives. Comments from you two on those two things I'm talking about. Kelly? (laughs) Kelly?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely, um, it's more, it's definitely more than just, like, what it looks like on the outside. You really do have to pay attention to, like, or put emphasis on, like, making the event better for, like, what you said. I forget exactly what it was, but making the event better for the organization. Like, how is it going to make the organization better?
0: Do you think a lot of people, do you think a lot of people think of meetings and events, and I address this to both of you and all of you listening, do you think most people think of it as that first level? Logistics and list and picking colors and, um, you know, themes and, you know, uh, doing what's going to be a prettier, or a nicer or an expensive event. Do you think that's how, well, one, most people coming into this field probably see it? And I think that's probably true because, Really, it's very hard to get exposed to it any other way except coming in on that layout bill. Um, oh shoot! I was going to add something else to that. No clue.
2: It's, I would say that's probably why the way the most attendees see it, <clears throat> they either say, "Oh, nice table settings, nice centerpieces." They don't think about that's why. I think it's always important for them to recognize the uh, the meeting planners at the event. Say. I've seen, you know seen somewhere they, there's people that put it all together get recognized, as they should, because it's as you say it's more than getting a room, and some coffee.
0: Yeah, and I think also the next step is when people actually start working with meeting and event planners and really begin to see how those details add up. We're we're not just being anal and obsessive about things because that's our personality. There's actually concrete reasons behind twenty five different color coded binders and uh and you know, I think of you, Steve, when we planned that first tax IRS tax conference, the tax conference for nonprofits. in uh west virginia in west virginia Mm -hmm. and i was obsessing well i was quite emphatic we were doing it on the college campus and you know we were setting up. when i was giving my specs for the registration table i was adamant that there be trash cans behind the table beside the table in front of the table in the hallway leading down to the room and he was just like what is your thing about these trash and they couldn't understand either which makes me sad um but i'm sure some of you know it was a day meeting so we had peel and stick name tags and what happens with peel and stick name tags
2: they just go everywhere
0: The, the, the back right the stuff you peel off they end up everywhere they end up on the floor they end up on the registration table because people just peel them off and leave it on the table and you know they drop them wherever they are they'll lay them on a windowsill on the way to the to the room so there is strategy behind why trash cans are so important at a registration table but i remember he turned to me and said i never would have thought of that
2: right or the other favorite one of mine that you showed me is why do they have the utensils at the beginning of the buffet line? Because then you have to carry them in your plate and your cup and your everything else. Put them down at the end with the napkins.
0: Oh, yeah, I could do a whole <laughs> spiel on the importance, uh, my opinion, of how a buffet line should be laid out. And yes, that's one of the key ones is put were- the silverware. At the end of the table. And people go, well, then everyone asks where it is. Well, they should be able to see it, and you can tell them. I do admit they can be challenging if you decide to put it on the table. Then you have people wandering around looking for it. But... Be any at the table. It just takes up more of your hands. It's hard. There's never enough room on a buffet table to really set a plate down and take up food. And uh, the other one of the other big ones on buffet tables that drives me up the wall is condiments before the food you're putting it on. Because then people have to go past the condiments, get the food, then come back to the condiments I know some of you are laughing or at least nodding your head. I know you are. <coughs> so um but th- there's like real reasons. It's not my personal preference. It's just you want a buffet line to move effectively and efficiently. Figure it out, you know?
2: I recall another time uh wherever we were and you were doing the meeting and I was presenting and we had asked for a separate room for dining for lunch. Oh yeah. And she came in and began to set up in the back of the meeting room <clears throat> and the reason for that was we didn't want to have to have them eat at the tables where all their books and papers were and it's mm-hmm. always nice to have them go somewhere else somewhere else so they can converse and network i and not
0: come back and sit at dirty right. tables
2: and i didn't even notice her setting up back there but I saw you in the back of the table. Get up and (laughs) go over to her
0: and say. Swoop on her more likely. (laughs) Swoop on (laughs) this woman. (laughs) Say, hey,
2: did they uh, happen to mention to you that we have the room next door for lunch? And she said, no. So anyway, or even in um, West Virginia, when I, uh, I, I let them go, what, 15 minutes early before lunch and the doors were still locked and she came back to me and said, Don't ever let them go early for lunch.
0: (laughs) Because, you know, people don't understand that if it says doors open at 7 or whatever, it's because they need to be they've timed the food that way they may still be flipping a room um whatever but you know he thought he's doing this great thing like oh and you get to go to lunch early and i'm like so now they're all in the <laughs> hallway complaining that they can't get into lunch can't get know? the
2: door open yeah yeah
0: what's wrong with the door's locked mhm that's right cuz it doesn't open till noon you know
2: going back to the beginning of why people are meeting planners besides lists and binders mhm I think another one is they'd like to take all the stuff that's left over from an event and put it in their basement.
0: <laughs> he says this. He didn't know me when I was actively planning events. And I can attest that there was it wasn't in our basement, but it was in the attic. It was in the attic of the garage. It was in the garage Um Yeah, well, you know, a lot of us, especially I was an independent planner and I did a lot with nonprofits and small groups, so reutilizing things was highly important and very useful and in this day of sustainability, um, same thing, thinking out, you know, and I think sometimes I heard a great story. um, Many of you have probably heard the... uh, the podcast with Kim Copperthwaite on it, who most people know is a a close friend of mine. And um, she told me a story a couple of months ago about how they were in a hotel. They'd done a multi-day conference and everything. And at the end, they had these big uh, balloon, not sculptures, but like uh, the kind with weights that go to the table or the floor, you know, big uh, balloon arrangements. And there was a veterans, a military veteran... Yeah, Veterans Group, I was trying to think of what it was, um, that was coming in after them. And she, you know, all the balloons were fine. Everything was fine. But, you know, that's not something you're going to take home with you. One, they won't last and everything. And, you know, she didn't want to just pop them. I hate watching things be torn apart at the end of the event. And uh, she asked if they would like them. And they were just ecstatic, you know, they didn't have the money to do that kind of thing. So um, yeah, when you can pass them on to someone else, it's it's really great uh, for sure. But yeah, I'm not good at throwing away things that can be used again in events. I'm, I'm not, and it's probably a good thing I don't plan anymore because I'm not sure we could share the space.
2: <laughs> so if anybody needs 96 little candle
0: holder things, let me know. You don't understand the importance of votive holders. Yeah. Those are like gold in our industry. You never, ever, ever can have enough votive holders. We have little
2: skinny flower vases too. No, I got rid of those. Did you?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he doesn't understand. I mean, I used to have like four different kinds of vases, you know, little fish bowls, little bud vases. Um, You know, you do because you just reuse them and reuse them and it cuts cost. And, uh, you know, again, I did a lot of nonprofit work, so that was a lot of it. So, Kelly, let's go back to you. So, yes. you know, when you think about your experiences and things, and even back when we were in the BU class and everything, do you think that's kind of how people enter that very logistical binder, color coded list type world? Like, this is what an event is, and this is what we love about it. Do you think that's how most people initially see events, even I think from so. the planning side? Like, if you're going to go enter the industry,
1: I think so. Um. I think they go into it like very organized, wanting to have a plan for it and not just going as
0: they like make decisions. That, oh yeah, I mean, no, I- that so doesn't fly <laughs> with a yeah with a meeting or event planner. No, no, nothing mm-hmm. is left to chance. Um, but do you understand? Uh, d- what do you think about moving? You've been uh, hanging around with me now for over a year. Um, you think that that next way that people begin to think, or a lot of people begin to think, even if they're not really conscious of it, is the second thing I'm talking about, like creating value and mm-hmm. why we're actually having the event. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, I always find it a shame that events aren't questioned enough. Like, and I think this has happened over. So this is being recorded in, what month are we in? April, April. of 2022. Um just to put it in context for whenever you listen to it. But, you know, the past two years of the pandemic have made people, you know, look at meetings and events differently. And I think that will continue for a few years and really should continue always. You know, why are we having this event? What's the purpose? And I'm I'm very fond of saying we always have is not an appropriate answer. It, just because it's the annual meeting doesn't mean you should be having it you know, or, or the same as it was last year and 10 years ago and 40 years ago and whatever. So, um, you know, I think once you get past that initial stage of all, when the logistics and everything almost become totally ingrained in you, like you don't even think about them anymore, you just do them, um, then, uh, you know, that second phase of, well, wait a minute, we could do this better, or why are we doing it? Or, well, uh, that's why we're doing it. I always find it a shame when planners aren't told these details. They can plan better meetings for anyone if they know what someone's really trying to accomplish other than have a meeting. Um, So the next thing, and and hopefully this is somehow coherent and making you think. Um, And the third thing I started thinking about, and a lot of this – has come out of things i've heard people say even pre-pandemic and with the pandemic you know and the great resignation and people going yeah i'm not sure i want my life to be like this anymore you know where i'm working 12 15 hour days the month month and a half leading up to a meeting sorry um remembered my water bottle today though an accomplishment is you know Thinking of career paths, because when you start and you love it, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to move up from a meeting coordinator to a junior meeting planner to a senior meeting planner to director of meetings or whatever. The titles are so all over the place. And that's why one thing I will say is don't get hung up on titles. Look at what the job responsibilities are, not what the title is. And I know some of you struggle with that because you think, (coughs) excuse me, you can't take a job because the title is, quote, Below what you have. But you know, if you're getting to plan bigger, better, more what you want to plan, the title doesn't matter because they're so inconsistent. Um and one of the things, one of the first I think wake-up calls I had on this, and this was probably at least five, six, oh, probably more years ago than that, um, I had someone in my CMP class, and this was in the days of face-to-face, and she had worked her way up to director of meetings in her um, in her organization. And she was, you know, she worked really, really hard to get it. But she was sharing with us that weekend that she was questioning it. Because she wanted to be director of meetings because she loves meetings. Except as director of meetings, she didn't get to plan any. So that's the kind of thing I want you thinking as you're looking at your career path is don't assume the title or the job is going to allow you to do what you want to do. And eventually she, not that long after that conversation with the class, she made the decision to step out of the director of meetings position um, and go back to being whatever senior meeting planner or whatever, because she never got to actually plan meetings She got to band-aid stuff. She was really serving as a um, personnel director for the meeting department. You know, she was having to handle all the um, human resource stuff, the conflicts, the job performances, but she didn't get to plan meetings. She said, I went into this field because I love to plan meetings. I'm not planning meetings. So, you know, that's the kind of thing I think everyone needs to think about when they're looking at job changes. Are you going to get to do more of what you want to do? Less of what you want to do? The same? Um, title and money, and I realize money can be a driving thing, and I get that, but don't walk into jobs that you're going to discover isn't you. Thoughts on that, you too.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely worth it to go with what you like than having a better title. Like it's, and I think I do think it's a lot of things people don't think about too. They're like, oh, I'm excited to move up and have that next position, but then it's a lot of times it probably is something that's a lot different than what you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. It's something I I probably haven't really thought about either
0: and again i, I don't too. I don't think I thought of it ever until she said that, because, having not worked in a corporation or a large organization as a meeting planner, it didn't dawn on me that the Director of meetings wouldn't be planning any meetings now, in some organizations, they do they may have one key meeting they may have a couple of key meetings. but again, do you want to do a couple of key meetings and be hurting and everything the the rest of the department? You know, um, I kind of always tell people, um, you know, when we're working on career paths and things like that, I'm like, my goal is that we all end up doing at least 75% of our job is something we like to do. And that helps you balance out the other 25% that eh, maybe you're eh, on. Um, but, you know, go for what you love, not the title, not the prestige, not the, you know, Whatever because that'll make a real long day at work you may have a great title and a great paycheck but if you don't actually like what you do and i think this past two years a lot of people have really thought about that
2: true true
0: (laughs) okay hashtag truth right um anyway um but i think also there comes a point well may not dawn on you to think about this, you know, as you start your career path, you know, I I think back to, Steve will assure you many years ago, what he doesn't tell you is he's 10 years older than me. But anyway, um, is that, you know, you're, and and the topic, what I'm bringing up is your values and your ethics, When you start out, it honestly doesn't dawn on you because it doesn't dawn on you that the world is going to ask you to do things that conflict with your values and ethics. And you may not even know what part of your values and ethics are on things because you don't know those situations actually can occur. I would definitely put myself in that, you know, many times in my career. Like, you you know, things would happen, horrible things, things where people pulled the rug out from under me or I was being asked to do something that I didn't agree with. And I'd think... I can't, like, I can't even get my head around this because it never dawned on me that someone would ask me to do something like that that is borderline or blatantly, in my mind, unethical. Um, and I hope to do a podcast sometime in the next couple of months on ethics in our industry that's been bopping around in my head for a while. Not that I have all the answers, but um, I definitely don't. But it's more to get you thinking about them. But, um, you know, looking at both what you do maybe very specifically in your job or, you know, when people ask you to hide things or that's, that's, you know, they always say about ethics, if you have to ask if it's ethical, it's probably not. Um, And that has stuck in my head for years and years and years. But, you know, it's not just your immediate job, but again, going back to looking at what your meetings and events uh, do Are you, with your meetings and our events, are you creating positive change in the world? And that's very hard to see sometimes because you may be creating positive change within your organization. That's great for your organization. But how do you feel um, maybe overall about when you look at the bigger picture the meetings and events, what are they doing to create change in the world? And sometimes it's, it's not what it would appear at first. I don't know. Thoughts on either of those so far? Nothing? No. 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 So, well, I've talked to enough meeting planners who have worked for companies, and I'm going to, it's not fair probably for me to say this, but most of the ones I run into these stories are for-profit companies. I won't say that there aren't nonprofits that mm, maybe do some questionable things too, but focusing on the for-profit companies where planners have said to me, I can't believe in what we are planning the meetings for anymore. I can't believe in it. Um, I I can no longer agree with some of the things our organization is doing and these meetings are supporting it. And, First of all, let me make it clear. I'm not talking about incentive meetings. I am not in the group I have watched us go through, you know, uh, the now and, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we went through the recession, you know, the boondoggles and the this and muffin gate and how can all this meeting be spent and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people don't understand that incentives really drive a lot of business. and, And, you know, if someone works hard and they've been given goals and they meet them, they should get their incentive trip, and I totally agree with that. But I'm talking about the non-incentive ones, and of course, this is part of how the pharma guidelines came to be, and Sarbanes Oxley uh, came to be, um, is to draw parameters and have people look more carefully at what for-profit organizations were spending money on, and in this particular case, I'm talking specifically meetings and events, but like those guidelines and socks, Sarbanes Oxley include more than meetings and events but it did hit both hit the industry pretty hard in terms of what meeting planners were doing but it was calling out the ethics of how can you spend this much money on an educational meeting that has all these added bonuses and going to them and so i find planners struggling with that like we're making a product or service that's supposed to bring all this benefit to the world, but the way we're doing it may be questionable. And I've seen people leave um, because of that, that the values no longer line up with theirs, that they question the ethical practices of some of it, Um, maybe some of the things that go on at a a meeting. I can't remember if we talked about this one before, but I won't bring it up now uh but anyway thinking really uh, you know what are you doing are you making a change in the world and i have to say one of my best eye openers was probably has to be at least 15 years ago um and i was doing some in-house education for a uh, decent large meeting planning department at uh, a medical education company and this was a medical education company how i think of the initial medical education companies that uh do a lot of the breakfast lunch and dinner meetings um you know these planners are planning sometimes 300 events a year and they get dismissed a lot of the time as not being real meeting planners or those aren't real meetings. You do 300 of them and you tell me if you learned something or not. And I didn't even know this existed until I got in there. Luckily, I had put in my contract to go in for a day and shadow people because I would have been so off base in terms of what I was teaching and talking about. But honestly, at the end of my first day, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I would hate this work. I would absolutely hate it. Um, you know, it's literally finding the best restaurant or, or whatever to have this dinner meeting and the right doctor or presenter comes in and all the doctors in the area come to it and and everything to learn about the new drug or the new procedure or the new whatever it is. Well, you know, I began to understand the importance that this is how they got like real face time with people to do that and everything. And um, but I was kind of like, hmm. You know, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. And then I, I got a good slap up the side of my head from a young woman who worked there, who I would guess uh, probably was about 22, maybe. And it was definitely her first job. And she knew she wanted to be a meeting planner. And she was planning, like I said, a lot of these people plan 300 a year. And, you know, she's walking me through her day and her area and the challenges she runs into and, and things like that. And I finally said to her, why do you do this? Like, because by the end of the day I was like I so would not want to do this and she turned to me and she looked me straight in the eyes and she said because I like to think that there will be at least one doctor who comes to my dinner meeting and learns about this new drug and what it can do and he or she takes it back and saves or changes someone's life and I remember, I could, like, I still have goosebumps, and like I said, this was at least 15 years ago, because I thought, well, let's see who's more enlightened here now, right, and it was just like, I had never, I I couldn't even view it as that. I was viewing it in that first level of logistics, and this would be a real pain, and just like, blah, you know, none of the fun stuff of meetings and everything, Um, and her, Her statement to this day makes me think, do our meetings go out and do good in the world? Do the people who attend our meetings go out and and create positive change in the world? And again, that was a, you know, she was at a for-profit med-ed company. Obviously, all the clients were for-profit pharmaceutical companies. And, you know, it was just like so eye-opening for me. And I'm just... Thinking. have you ever thought about yours that way kelly and steve jump in with some thoughts
2: i have a thought and i i could see where this would apply <clears throat> in the past like uh to a meeting planner maybe for a tobacco company mm-hmm. or maybe somebody realizes all of a sudden who's working for a, <clears throat> a beverage company an alcoholic mm-hmm. beverage company and uh It'll probably happen. I'm predicting. Right now, I know cannabis is becoming legalized mm-hmm. across the United States, and as we've seen businesses mature, we're looking. There are somebody's always looking to be national.
0: Mm-hmm. That
2: there will be a national mick cannabis mm-hmm. company, and there will probably be a meeting planner.
0: Oh, there's already meeting planners. I'm sure at mm-hmm. some of the companies.
2: Yeah, they're usually. I think right now, small or at least local or regional. But eventually, as we've seen on that show we watch all the time, everybody wants to go national. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I could see where that might, uh, with your values, mm-hmm. and whether or not you're doing good for the world or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Thoughts, yeah. Kelly?
1: I think that also, it it really does like determine, well, like, I, I guess how you plan events. Like, they'll like, What am I trying to say? Like, if you really love working for, like, planning the events that you really do believe make a change, like, a positive change in the world, I feel like that will just make, like, you love your job even more. Even, like, it'll help you get through, like, the tough times and it'll make, like, it kind of just, like, separates someone who, like, likes their job because they like planning Mm -hmm. and who really, like, loves their job.
0: Oh that's that a really good sense. point. Yeah. Because if they like it they may be kind of stuck on that logistics mm-hmm. level, but if they believe in the the value to the world not just their organization, but the mm-hmm. value to the world especially everything we're in right now from you know worrying about what's happening to the environment to war to you know pandemics to unemployment, you know, or is this meeting actually creating some setting the foundation or moving along positive change to address this. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I would go back to what you said about chasing titles, you know, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, that connects back to, cause you help people with their resumes. And I think, like you say, if you could have an entry level meeting planner who's planning international, mm-hmm. with the title of entry level, planning international meetings. And if you demonstrate that
0: rather than the title on the resume, right.
2: you show them what you do.
0: Well, and another good example of that is, and we're leading up to Administrative Professionals Day, formerly called Secretaries Day, because I'm old enough to remember that. But honestly, when Secretaries Day became a thing, mm-hmm. he's me. trying to snark on my age again. Um, is that uh, you know? It was the first time secretaries really got recognized. It, it was. It is a big deal. And of course, the, the name has changed from secretaries to administrative professionals. Um, but, you know, I, 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 you may or may not see this thing I made for social media for Administrative Professionals Day. But I talk about the fact that uh, maybe about 15 years ago, I was serving on a panel somewhere. And uh, there was a planner beside me. And I, I You know, we introduced ourselves and she said, oh, well, I'm not really a meeting planner. I said, really, what do you do? Well, she was the executive administrative professional for the CEO of a well-known pharmaceutical company. And she planned part of her job was planning all the C-level things, everything for the CEO, et cetera. I mean, these are like the types of meetings that many meeting planners dream to do. She goes, yeah, but I'm not a real meeting planner. So you know again going by the title it it's you know it can be very misleading you have to look at what every job does what the responsibilities are not what the title is she was uh she obviously was a very very good meeting planner but she didn't even believe it because unfortunately people in our industry are very quick to say oh well you know, anyone who's not a full-time meeting planner, and a lot of meeting planners have other responsibilities, no matter what their title is, um, you know, they don't count. They're not a real one. And a couple of years ago, there was a very ugly thing that happened in the industry about it. And I was just so embarrassed that anyone in our industry would be so patronizing and rude and and things like that. But you do, you have to look at what you're doing. And, and we also have to remember that a lot most probably of the original meeting planners were secretaries. It was their other duties as assigned. And Kelly, when Christine, when Christina was on about her book and talking about it, mm-hmm. as I remember, her book starts with that, where she's talking about mm-hmm. her aunt or her, I think yes, it's her so aunt or grandmother. I believe
1: it was aunt. Yeah,
0: yeah uh, who was a, a secretary in the 1960s mm-hmm. and her planning the events. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to know that. So... Uh, yeah, title does not determine what you do. I had someone recently who wanted to work in a particular industry because she had some experience in the industry. And I said, well, go look at this. It was actually a, a corporate real estate firm. She goes, oh, well, their jobs are all meeting coordinators. And I said, well, I actually know someone who went to work for one recently. And yes, her title is meeting coordinator, but she's basically the equivalent of the senior meeting planner. Different industries called jobs different things. So don't get too hung up on it what else were you gonna say
2: well since you brought up the age card Mm. (coughs) you had indicated you were there at the first earth day
0: yes i was very young but i was
2: (laughs) i'm sure adam and eve appreciated that Mm, yeah
0: we're just going to ignore him so um you know when it goes back to the values and ethics i guess you know one of the things i'm asking you is can you stand behind what your meeting produces um Outside of your organization, again, obviously your job is to produce the best meeting and event you can for your organization based on their goals, objectives, values, ethics, mission, vision, all their values, statements, etc. But I also ask you, can you personally stand um, behind what your meeting produces and brings out into this world that, um, I mean... Th- there's crisis all the time we just happen to be at the crux of some really big ones right now so it's something to think about because you know it is a way to make change in the world it, it really is positive change
2: nothing happens until you have a meeting
0: right yes yes and and mpi kind of coined a phrase like that uh years ago i think it was during the recession maybe they did that everything starts with everything begins with a meeting um so those are my thoughts i I just want you to think if you're doing this career path these are some of the different ways and if you are comfortable going to work and just thriving in the logistics go for it as long as you're doing a good job you know that's great but many of you are looking at this for a lifetime and you wonder why you get frustrated sometimes. And I think these are some of the reasons. Um, so as you put this whole <sighs> career path together, I guess make sure you don't sell yourself out. And I and only you know what that means because it is totally different for each and every person. And I'm not going to judge you on it. It's not my job to judge you. It's no one's job to judge you. But can you live with yourself? you know are, are are you are you producing what you want to into the world um i just think it's a really important thing to think about i just you know what can i say my mother wouldn't let me be a social worker she was afraid i'd bring everyone and everything home um but you know it it does tend to be what i think and when i see people frustrated These are the type of things that finally push their buttons, how they're being treated, how they're being expected, you know, are they being treated fairly or justly? And, you know, why, why are they doing it? And again, if the logistics are good for you, just stay with it. But if you find yourself struggling, those are some of the things you think. And I've known people who have walked away from some quote, really good meeting planning jobs, title, salary, schedule, you know benefits etc because they could no longer be part of that organization both maybe because of things that are going on in their immediate department but also what the company is is standing for out in the world anything else you guys want to add i think i pontificated enough
2: pontificated Mm no i i you're good i'm 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 pretty good i'm hilarious
0: hmm Kelly? yeah, I
1: thought that was interesting. Um, I think it's kind of like those hard questions you have to ask yourself when you're not feeling completely, I don't know, just happy with your job. And I feel like those can be hard questions to ask, and some people just push, push them off to the side because of their title or maybe the money. But in the end, it might not be worth it.
0: Right, or the prestige, mm-hmm. or the, you know, um, I guess I'm, you know, this is what part of what the Great Resignation is about. You know, what am I giving up to produce whatever, and how is it affecting my personal life and me? And those are questions we should be answering all the time. Um, usually we only answer them when things come crashing around <laughs> us. So, So anyway, I'm hoping... Again, I don't have all the answers. Trust me, if you'd seen my career path and some of the things I've struggled with over the years, um, about the best I I have to offer is experience, which sometimes actually rolls into a little bit of expertise. But what I do like to do is is get people thinking as to how they may make better choices for them, for their organization, for their meetings, et cetera, except for the world. Um, and I hope this made you start thinking uh, or added to thinking you were already doing so you know that you weren't alone in questioning some of this.
2: I just wanted to remind everybody to go to Joanne CMP community because I've been posting out there. They all need to follow me because I'm hilarious, so there's some good (laughs) posts out there. (laughs)
0: And for those of you who may not be in the CMP community yet, uh, we've moved it to a a new platform on Mighty Network, and it's open to anyone who took a CMP class with me, whether it was one of my three-day or actually the original class, which was 10 weeks, three hours a day. Um, It's open to, you know, when it was three days, when it was two days, when it became virtual, but I also chose to open it up to people who took CMP classes with me other places, like MPI Global, which would be WEC, PEC, Meet Different, CMP at Sea, Um, my friends in Thailand, my friends in Beijing, my friends in uh, Los Cabos, all of that was through MPI. But also certain MPI chapters had hired me to teach in uh, theirs. And so, yes, um, anyone who did a CMP preparation course with me, uh you are eligible to be part of this community and we are trying to make it extremely useful uh and interesting and the nice thing is when you go there the whole feed is about this because we moved it to a different platform it's not it is just about this and a lot of people are really beginning to um you know catch what you can do and uh we ex- we think it will grow um tremendously and it will also be the first place that many things are posted as time goes on and if you missed your invitation we made a decision not to send invitations more than once and also for those of you who are on the community we also made the decision not to notify you every time there is a post although I believe there's a way you can go in and say what post you want to be notified about but I didn't want you to end up hating it because you were being bombarded like we frequently are with things like this so you have a lot of control but if you want to get the most out of it you kind of need to make those decisions and there's also an app which you can get by going to the website kelly how do we decide this happens there's an icon and you put in your phone number and it texts you the link to Mm -hmm. yeah and that that app will take you directly only to our community um i seem to have been the last one to know there was an app but yeah what can i say um I was
2: the last. You told me about it.
0: Yeah, I told you about it. Actually, apparently a lot of us missed it at the I'm beginning. I'm always
2: the last to know.
0: No, no. Marianne was the first one to tell us. But if you didn't get an invitation and you believe you are eligible for this and you want to be part of it, and we certainly hope you do, uh, you can email kelly at um, joannedenison.com, and she'll get you all set up. If if you're not on one of our class lists, we'll just ask you a couple of questions you know because people are just beating down the door to be in this, this thing. <laughs> but actually we have had some people asked to be in it who did not qualify um but uh we'd love to have you there this is will be where we start talking about like the um, the meet and retreats uh which will be in-person events i don't uh, i'm aiming for 2023 i'm not going to play this game all 2022 are we on or are we off so 2023 i'm hoping to get some programs back on cruises, um, things like that. So plus a lot of information you can get from people, and you all know that they sat in some class of mine, so they're kind of speaking the same language.
2: And everybody needs to read that e-guide.
0: Right. Well, they so might they, want to. They don't well, have no, to. Well, no,
2: everybody wants to. Oh, okay. It has a high read rate. Yes, it does. <clears> very <throat> high, like double the industry average or more. And there'll be one what, sometime soon, right? Yep,
0: yep. Sometime soon. But they don't we don't know when they're listening to this, but
2: Well yeah. whenever you're listening, read read the e guide. And hey, if you don't know what that is, you can text MEETGUIDE, Meet Guide, M W E T guide, all one word, to two two eight two eight.
0: He's the only one who remembers the, the text <laughs> number. Thread. I go, I know it has twos and eights. Anything else you want to say, Miss Kelly?
1: Um you can listen to the podcast <gasps> on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music. Huh? Sorry, I hope I can't. I, I hope you can't hear my dog <laughs> barking. We can, but it's okay. <laughs> um, let me see. Google Podcasts. It'll be listed in the description below. So we have many options where you can listen to it on your phone, on your computer, wherever you are. So.
2: So you have a you have a dog in Florida and a dog in Boston. Yes,
1: yeah, she is a giant Doberman. Oh. She's oh. very sweet, though. <laughs> okay, she just doesn't like um, whenever like a UPS man or woman or FedEx people come to the door.
0: Like most dogs, <laughs> either that or they love them because they have been trained that they will always bring them biscuits.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: but so anyway, let's we'll let you go here. Um, hope this got you thinking about things. Um, you know. Uh, love to hear feedback back for those of you who are in the community again we're starting to post upcoming topics asking you questions like okay if we're going to talk about speakers and working with speakers what questions do you want to make sure we answer and so be looking for those and we're also going to be posting pretty soon um, ways that you can end up being a guest on these too we're not there yet but we're getting there So, um, because that way you get to listen to someone other than Steve and I and Kelly, and especially when we don't have a guest. Uh, So, thanks so much. Really appreciate you listening. Hope this uh, somehow helps you um, as you go forward into your day or week, and um, thanks again. Really appreciate it.